Now the real question is going to be how to start a mini-sode. Uh, okay, there we go. Sorry, I was capturing room tone. I've tried to get better about that. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, you know, we just wing it. Yeah. We take off. <laughs> we take off. That's correct. Yes. And uh, hello, dearest listeners. Welcome to the very first uh, This Mini-sode is a Bad Idea. <laughs> I am Murph, and they are Fru, and here we are going to be talking, uh, just n- not at length, just at at short, yeah, about Netflix's Scott Pilgrim takes off, uh, you know, coming about because we did that uh, episode on Scott Pilgrim and our our hopes and fears for the series mm-hmm. in comparison to the movies and original comics. So we're it's hard to talk about this show without addressing the very immediate and apparent spoilers when you get to the end of episode one. Yes. So we're going to start just a little bit of spoiler-free talk for anyone that has not watched the show, even though we're recording like a month after its premiere. Definitely not two weeks after we recorded the last episode. <laughs> but Fru, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on Scott Pilgrim Takes Off? I guess what's the easiest way to do this? It was good. It's really good. I gave it. We'll get into like more details on grades later, but I gave it an eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like like a I, I, very strong grade. I think that's about where I sit. It's important to understand very much that this is not an adaptation of the comics. It's not even an adaptation of the movie. It is a companion piece to both. Yes, it's a third thing. And that's, I had the great privilege of watching the whole thing and then showing this to my partner who had also remained spoiler free. And whenever he would ask, what is this? And I'm like, it's it's a th- it's a third thing. Shut up and watch mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Yes, and I've seen some people a little salty on the internet because they feel they were lied to, and technically they were in a little bit of a capacity. Sure, but also enjoy fun. Yeah, looking back at interviews with Brian Lee O'Malley, he was always very upfront saying, I'm not interested in telling the same story for the third time. Yeah, and I don't blame him. And so, I yeah, I really enjoyed this. There's some things that the show sets out to do and it does it incredibly. And then there's some things that aren't as successful, but don't hurt how good everything feels in my opinion. A, a key aspect to the anime is the fact that it really takes advantage of the fact that it is an animated program and therefore goes really out there and wild with the action mm-hmm. and the set pieces. It, so it loses a lot of the grounded tone of the original comics. Sure, um, yes. If your favorite part of the Scott Pilgrim comics was like the big personalities and fight scenes, then you'll love this. If you're the person that liked the dialogue, the back and forth, the the sort of semi-realistic depiction of being uh, in your 20s and not having a direction forward in life, I don't feel this does that as much. But that is fine because it is very upfront about what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, as soon as you catch on to what is happening, I found it really hard to be against it at any point whatsoever. I was just stoked from the moment it came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if we want to 
now rip the band-aid off and go fully into spoiler territory yes. we will spoilers begin from here dear listener yes so... go watch it then come back <laughs> all right so the basic premise is what if scott pilgrim but scott pilgrim fucking died <laughs> yes what if he did not win the fight with matthew patel yeah he didn't make it past x1 so episode one is a fairly like faithful like adaptation up until you get to the very end with the fight with matthew Patel. yeah and matthew Patel punches him into coins yeah and from that moment forward it's sort of a well who done what it? now <laughs> or a who did it Yes, and the fact it, it transfers into a whodunit with Ramona trying to track down how, you know, her new boyfriend uh, vanished. Yeah. Because it comes apparent that Matthew Patel did not actually beat him. He got sucked, Scott got sucked into a portal. Exactly, and it quickly becomes a mystery. And the fact that it becomes a Ramona-centric story for two-thirds of the show is pretty impressive. It's basically a reverse, uh, or not an, a reverse, an inverse. I don't really know, but it Ramona has to confront her evil exes now mm-hmm. because they are all on a list of potential suspects for who took Scott. Right. So she has to actually confront them, and because she's trying to get information out of them, just beating them up won't work. She has to actually reconcile with them, and then they provide her information, and she sort of confronts her flaws, realizes that they're not all bad people. Right. And it's not all, it's not all the, it's not so much the exes are all prime suspects. It's like she realizes this is a guy that I have no idea who he is. Mm -hmm. Now that the league is kind of like introduced and then brushed aside, it's more so like, oh, who does Scott know? Oh, Scott has an ex who has known him longer than anybody. Scott has, you know, his own history, his own network. And it's like she is becoming more involved in his life in a very different pathway than she does in the original source material. Mm -hmm. It's very much the Ramona and the exes show because the side cast of the original comics Stephen still nice child kim pine they get moments and a lot of their moments are very good we'll get to one side character who was elevated to godlike proportions in my eyes mm-hmm. but it's they really only get like touched on very briefly uh their arcs more or less yeah are kind of brushed aside like like we don't get steven stills coming to terms with the fact he's gay joseph is not in the show it, uh, he, he we see us we see a glimpse of him in the epilogue and that's it and so we have another yeah. steven stills erasure mm-hmm. like knives's whole relation to scott and his friends is completely sort of undone she's just around and befriends steven stills and they become songwriting a, a songwriting duo yeah you know like I said, a lot of the grounded atmosphere and sort of the emotional baggage of the original comics is sort of a shoe decide. Mm-hmm. But in its place, we have brand new emotional baggage. Would you like to uh, mention what uh, what you liked about episode three? <laughs> so episode three is like, it's so funny that we're skipping over, that we're skipping over like episode two but, like, all episode two is really doing is setting up that, yeah, the League was responsible for this, and now mm-hmm. the League's not a problem anymore. 
sort of. Yeah. And episode three is where we kind of get the idea of like, no, this is what it's actually about. Yeah. Because Ramona starts her like list of suspects and who does she bump into, but Roxanne Ritchie. And that's where it sort of introduces this idea of Ramona has to confront her exes. Um, yeah. And confront what, how she hurt them. And so I, yeah, I have, I wrote notes while I was watching the show and it all happened so fast because <laughs> I went Kim Pine, all caps, and her job at the movie store. And we start getting like Scott and Kim history. And then all of a sudden who shows up but Roxy Richter. And there's a there's this the first huge development in the show for me isn't any of the League of Evil X's stuff or the departure from the original plot. It's this amazing little reconciliation between Roxy and Ramona, where Ramona actually owns up to the fact that she did not take their relationship seriously. And there's mm. crying, and I'm crying, and it's a total mess, and it was the greatest. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me. What mm. did you think, it's Murph? Al- it's also a, a cool fight scene, because they're in the video store, and they're jumping in and out of different movie settings. Yeah. Like, that's another moment where it's like, no, this is very different. This We have new ideas. Yes. Um, I feel like they did something similar with that... Um, with the comic book day issue where Ramona fights using Scott. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that got recycled for the movie. Yes. But like, yeah, in the, I feel like in the comic, there was an air of like that cinematic because it's, um, Winifred, Winifred Haley from the movies Mm -hmm. in universe. And she jumps out of a poster Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's, like, a little bit of that here. But, yeah, even in my notes, it's, like, I heart sapphic feelings and feminine rage episode. <laughs> yeah, and episode three is where, because I, I watched episode one completely, like, enjoying it entirely. I was like, this is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Then it threw me for the loop, and then episode two was kind of shaky ground, where I was like, I don't, I where where are we going? This is not, yeah. I don't I don't know this home. This, these aren't, this isn't my beautiful house. This isn't my beautiful <laughs> wife. Um, and then episode three completely sold me on the rest of the series. Yeah, episode two is weird, because the huge wrinkle in the league is that, Matthew Patel suddenly challenges Gideon Graves to a fight where he bets his entire fortune mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and that was loses. Because it calls attention to something I never even thought about, which is what's in it for the league to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and here it's like Matthew's like, no, if I win, I get to get I get to start dating Ramona again. <laughs> All that's in it for the league, and this is like again when we talk about things that are humorously of its time, it's like all you get in the league is vengeance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Vengeance on this girl who was mean to you. And it helps for the show, since it focuses so much on the league, that that is the best clutch of voice actors out of the cast. Yes. Because early on, they revealed, like, months before we even got a first trailer, hey, we got the entire film cast back for this. Mm-hmm. And 
I will admit, I was pretty hesitant about being happy about that because I was because my thought process was okay. They have the original cast. Edgar Wright is producing this. This is just going to be Scott Pilgrim, the movie, the anime. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I wanted. Right. Not Um, what anyone wanted. Also, also the general feeling of like, you know, just because you're a good film actor doesn't mean you're a good voice actor. Oh, yeah. I'll eat crow on this. I thought the reason we didn't get a lot of pre-release footage is because they were embarrassed of the, the voice acting quality. Oh, no. Um... But then it's actually, they didn't show a lot of footage because that would have given away the entire premise. Yeah, like, they bury the lead so hard on this that even if you open up the IMDb page and you look at the description for the overall show, it doesn't mention anything. You don't get any hints of it from the amazing theme song. You don't get Mm -hmm. any hints of it at all. And so it really comes out of nowhere and is so great because this is truly a companion piece you need to have either you you need to have at least watched the film or read the books but preferably done both yeah um and so when you get to like the voice acting i was i was actually most hesitant about having mary elizabeth winstead take the lead because as far as i know she hasn't done a lot of voice acting Mm. and also her her vocal cadence, especially how she plays Ramona in the movie, doesn't really lend itself to a big animated production like this. And I, I mean big in terms of, like, spectacle, not in terms of scale or budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's just not... She, I, I, I don't really know many comedic performances she's done. Mm-hmm. And this does skew more comedy. But as the show went on, no, I think she really sold it, especially in some of those ending episodes. Oh, and yeah. And you have a trade-off for... Like, Chris Evans yeah. is having so much apparent fun. I mean, he's always been such a great character actor mm-hmm. that it makes sense and that he his... loves Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> he loves playing Lucas Lee. And it's very apparent, like, at a certain point in the show, Lucas Lee, like, gets resolved and he heads off. But then they just bring him back in. Yeah, I can't help but, like, imagine Chris Evans being like, come on, guys. Can't you give me a little more material to work with? <laughs> In character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> have you ever have you ever watched much behind the scenes footage of just Chris Evans being himself? Uh yeah. I, I I've watched like all the old Avengers DVDs, like the blooper <laughs> reels and stuff like that. God. He's such a bro. I love him. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Like um, he would love Lucas Lee. Yeah, and then for some of the other characters, you know, it is shaky voice acting, but they, it sort of works. It almost comes across like a 70s animated movie or like a Don Bluth mm-hmm. thing where mm-hmm. everyone's talking with this very natural cadence. Mm-hmm. Like like Stephen Stills, um, his performance is a little mush-mouthed, but it sells the concept of an unconfident 20-year-old. Like, and then And then you have young Neil who for me is the goat of the entire show. They did so much with him that I wasn't expecting. He, the weird thing to explain is that young Neil also doesn't do a lot in the books. He just is, he just exists. No. And that's because he's supposed to be like more or less a reference to like a real friend's little brother that Brian Lee O'Malley had. Yeah. It's the same thing with, uh, with Stacy Pilgrim. That's, Stacy is Brian Lee O'Malley's real sister. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, but in this, I think it is episode two, isn't it? It opens with young Neil, like, being like, I want to be a screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it, and it, they start laying it on that they call him a cinephile, and he's like, I'm a cinephile. And it just yeah keeps going. And then the first time you... That shirt he's wearing where it says Cronenberg for president. <laughs> yes. Every young Neil scene is gold. And like, oh my, the one that took me out. We're getting a little head. Mm-hmm. But my life as Scott Pilgrim's friend by old young Neil. <laughs> yes. I loved that. He has some really great jokes. And his voice, mm-hmm. I, and his, I never remember his actor's name. Uh, Johnny Simmons. That is Johnny Simmons. He is so funny. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly um, funny. I think for me, the episode that has, I don't know the word. I wasn't sold on the premise, but I laughed a lot mm-hmm. was episode five, which is the Todd and Envy episode. And at this point, it's that young Neil has written a script he doesn't remember writing mm-hmm. that is a what-if scenario. What if Scott Pilgrim had lived uh-huh. his fight with Matthew Patel? And they cast, initially they cast Lucas Lee to play Scott Pilgrim, but then he goes off mm-hmm. uh, because of a controversy that he's dating an actress playing a high schooler. Which is a hilarious joke about Ellen Wong. Yeah. but So they hire instead... Uh, Todd Ingram and Envy Adams to play Scott and Ramona. And Ramona is her own stunt double. Yes. Yes. But sadly, and again, maybe we're skipping ahead a little bit, but this is where my first eh, issue with like the show comes in. I'm Mm -hmm. very weirded out by breaking Todd. Yeah. Um, It's handled very weirdly. Because volume three of Scott Pilgrim, which is the one that's titled Scott Pilgrim versus the world Mm -hmm. is, I would say is like where the comic turns. Yes. And it starts to become something better because it starts going into Scott's like problems and emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. And it sort of like starts to show the hand of like what the story is really about. You have his history with envy you have like the uh the drama between ramona and todd like the love square that's going on in that book Mm -hmm. um and i i said in the original episode i'm fairly certain that's the one that like sold edgar wright on doing a movie right and so taking all that drama and that interpersonal relationships and turning it into what if todd ingram fell really hard for wallace wells (laughs) yeah it's like there's that there's that element to it and then there's also like when you think about todd in the books there's not Mm. much to him other than he's a hothead who became a vegan his personality is i can get away with it because i'm a rock star yes and like so there's not much to him there's nothing really to unpack todd's just a piece of garbage that cheats on envy Mm-hmm. And then, then in the movie, he's kind of just a dumb guy that gets away with everything because he's a rock star. So there's not a lot to unpack. So when you somehow find a way to reduce him even more to, I'm a simp for Wallace Wells, and I will destroy my career and anyone to be with him. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's... It made me laugh pretty hard when they started getting into it. Yes! And then, when I realized, like, what it was coming at the cost of, because they have, like, a throwaway line where Envy's like, yeah, I knew Todd and Ramona dated, but, but it, he assured me, like, it was just, like, a fling. Like, they completely rewrite the context of that relationship. They really the books, do. Envy didn't know. Yeah. And it was kind of this thing of, like, Todd playing both girls against each other. Yeah, it became that. That was a really weird, like, retcon of their relationship. Because the first thing I noticed was she said, oh, we've been best friends forever. And I'm like, "Yeah, what's your... Wait, what? What's your relationship? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's sort of the thesis... Well, not the thesis, but one of the things Brian Lee O'Malley said is that he wasn't interested in telling the same story for the third time. So I think anything that he felt was fully explored in either the book or the movies. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the mo- the books or the movie, singular. Yeah. He didn't want to bring up again for the anime. And that which tracks. Which is why you be- don't get... Because there's no envy either. Yeah, there's no envy. There's no Lisa Miller rip, one point off the score. Uh, but I don't know how they would have fit her in. I don't know. <laughs> Scott reads a little differently because of how much emotional work they put into him. Mm-hmm. That it make it yeah. would be weird to bring up Lisa Miller. I have one note here that's written. Oh my God! Is everyone gonna realize that they're gay? <laughs> that's a different. That's another another anime. <laughs> okay, so if we want to start peeling the bandaid off even more, the second bandaid under the first bandaid. Yes, and start addressing the twist? Question mark. Yeah, I there was... The reveal. Yes, there's... Because then we're going to get into something that I thought was really interesting that you also were very instrumental in making sure I didn't know because you had managed to watch the series before I did. So you mm-hmm. were instrumental in me not knowing what was happening. But the one thing you did tell me was that you were not sure it landed the messaging it was trying to give. Yeah, so I'm just going to write here on my notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, read off one of my notes. End of episode four prediction. The antagonist is canon timeline Scott Pilgrim after he broke up with Ramona. <laughs> then in brackets, fucking called it. <laughs> I I had a hint, I I had a hint and then for some reason I was like, no, it's gonna be like future Ramona. And then future Ramona's there. But yeah, it, I knew it was someone from the future. Like that's again, like I feel like there's some really common themes between all three of these pieces now. And so some things were really being set up of like, okay, so we've gone alternate timeline. We're very much so talking about alternate timeline things. So yeah. that means that the big bad is going to be like, someone involved and i thought the best thing to do would be like a self-sabotage thing but i wasn't expecting like 40 year old scott i was expecting like like 30 year old scott yeah um i don't i've never seen an evangelion but i understand some of the later evangelion works do something similar to this in fact they outright reference evangelion multiple times in this show Mm -hmm. but so 
It turns out Scott was kidnapped by his future self, who is it, it's 13 years in the future. Yes, because yes. wait, he's 40. Because that's when the script was written. Yes. So it's 14 years in the future. And he's kidnapped by old Scott, who is played by Will Forte for some reason. Um, just, just, just to differentiate, in all honesty, Michael Sarah was a little bit lower on the rung uh, on the rungs for me, in terms of mm-hmm. voice acting. And so it turns out, old Scott and Ramona they got married, and then they had a fight and separated after uh, like twelve or thirteen years of marriage. Yes, and so old Scott is feeling depressed, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets the Katniyagi twins to invent time travel. That was my second favorite joke, their music video. Oh my god, I was dying. Just Scott Pilgrim getting into city pop. Amazing. Yes. Uh, and so old Scott kidnaps young Scott to be like, don't deal with this Ramona girl, she is bad news. Yeah, it's... But- it's Scott's bitterness in a new flavor. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of my issues with the message and sort of the confusion around it comes with the presentation of the old Scott character. And then when we get to the final episode, even older Scott, who is only like, uh, what, another 10 years? He's 47. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a good joke because Scott and Ramona come back to the present and they find they can't kiss the anti-kiss fields, which I understand is another Evangelion reference inexplicably. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find none of the exes are causing it. And then even older Scott whips them all to the future to be like, I'm just going to kill everyone. And I did like the line, you know, saying, wow, that's the name of the show. <laughs> you know, where he says, this is what it comes down to. It's me versus the world. Yes. There's a couple um, of those. And they all get their butts kicked, and then even older Ramona shows up. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it's been ten years, you haven't even sent me a text, because he's been training for this moment, he's been studying all the X's and their skills. Yeah. Um, And then present Ramona, the Ramona we've been following, asks, like, is this just another failed experiment? Should I move on? Like, is this even worth it? Yeah. And... Even older Ramona says yes, and even older Scott says, that's it, run from the thing you love. Yes. And this forces a revelation on Ramona's end where she's like, I choose myself, and she becomes super Ramona and puts everything in place. Yeah, it's... And I was just a little... I had to watch this three times until I came to, like, an interpretation I felt somewhat solid on, but oh, okay. even then I'm shaky. Okay. Um, I think... Oh, you were prompting me to, to actually say what I thought. I would love to know. <laughs> so, my interpretation is that even older Ramona is, you know, the, whether it's the books or the movie, what have you, she never got the closure with the exes. They were always an obstacle to her. They were they were the problem. And, you know, even though the book calls attention to, like, you know, if you have seven evil exes, you're the common factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and ends on a moment of her being like, I'm going to be better. She still never really fully addressed her, her issues and that she tends to run from people. She has difficulties with intimacy. 
Yeah. Um, and so I think because this version of Ramona actually got that closure and got that uh, intimacy, she confronted those problems and uh, earned, in the book's own terminology, the power of understanding. Yes. You know, and that's what being super Ramona is. Okay. I think my issue is just that the old Scott character is played mostly for laughs and is played as kind of an irrational character. It yeah. feels like it takes what we knew about Scott from the books being like, you know, like I really laid it on in the full episode we did. Like I view Scott Pilgrim as a story about like, you know, personal growth and whatnot. And by the end of the books, he has achieved some form of personal growth. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest story about the smallest step forward. Yeah. And we see old Scott and he's kind of like thrown that out the window. He's still living with Wallace Wells and he's like schlubby. He has a beard. And it, if the, the revelation is that actually it's future Ramona, that is the problem. Then I would have liked it to actually put that forward because future Ramona is played very sympathetic you know, she shows up at the ending and being like, I, you know, I waited 10 years for you to contact me, but it never calls out like you could have contacted him at any time, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So it's I'm glad to know that like our our takeaways there are pretty much the same because I was trying to think back of like, OK, why is Scott lays it out really well. Older Scott lays it out and he's like, why are you assuming I'm the bad guy? I'm the good guy. I'm a good husband. And it's like in his mind, he's already, he's done the work to move on from the fact that Ramona had a life before him, but yeah. now he can't like 13 years together out the window because Ramona was done and wanted to separate. Yeah. And even then like older Ramona says, you know, I didn't want to separate. I said, I needed some space. Um, I think it would have really helped if they had shown in some capacity what they fought about. Like what was the inciting incident yeah. of this divergent canon? And because I don't there's... really know, need to know explicitly what it was, but just doing like, I pictured like, you know what? Like cut the, cut like the jokes and the, uh, the, the, you know, the wackiness for a second and just do like, an animated version of Marriage Story for three minutes where it's the two of yeah. them fighting. Yeah, I mean, and like... really make it, like, raw and real. Because I there's think that a whole... There, there's a whole scale of things where it's like, that is an unreasonable thing to want space over, or that's a very reasonable thing to want space mm -hmm. over. And we never get a hint of what that is. It's just attributed to Ramona's proclivity to run when things get hard, which feels unfair. Yeah. And But we got that plot, like, in the books. In volume six, the whole thing is that Ramona has run away. Yeah. No one knows where she is. She runs away and, to the mountains to sort stuff out. Yeah. And then she comes back because she has sorted things out and she decides Scott is the one she wants to be with. Yeah. And we don't get to do that here. So it's like, how do we have Ramona reach that same conclusion and it's very poetic. It's very nice. The little magical anime girl moment where she becomes Super Ramona. And it comes with it's this line. Well animated. Yeah. It comes with this line that's like, 
the me who left him and the me who met him are the same. And it's like implying that this is a beautiful, wonderful, amazing revelation. But at the same time, you're not really doing anything to unpack what you just kind of <laughs> brought yeah. to light. Yeah, it, I just don't think the ending sticks the landing because I'm still sort of questioning like what it's trying to say. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's trying to say. I came to one conclusion, but I really had to like dig in the text. And it was that Scott can, older Scott can completely ignore 13 years of marriage because he's like obsessed with how much work he went through to get Ramona in the first place. He's like obsessed with the past to a degree. And mm -hmm. Ramona is like afraid of the future and it's like meeting in the middle and it's very nebulous mm. and i'm just like reaching into the void of like plot that we've kind of side railed in order to get some more like personal plot like interpersonal yeah. relationship conclusions and again there is precedent because the whole inciting incident of like the scott pilgrim story as a whole is envy adams breaks up with scott and he goes into sort of a depressive, arrested development. Yeah, because he also you can't know. accept the fact that he had any part of that. Mm-hmm. But if this is meant to be Ramona's story, Ramona's character growth, I think I actually would have preferred it if she turned out to be, like, the actual bad guy. Yeah. You know? And not, not like, the bad guy, but... Yeah, like, the inciting incident is ultimately her fault. And if they had, you know... I'm fine with older Scott being the antagonist, but if, like, the reveal was he actually did try and put in the effort to reconnect and Ramona brushed him off because she didn't feel confident. Yeah. And that was an issue she was still dealing with at 47. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would have been much stronger. I think so, too. I think that would have been a lot stronger. And, like I said, just picking a direction because it's like they really try to say, like, well, both Scott and Ramona are wrong. They still love each other, though. It's like, hold on, hold on. Some, like, first of all, you're like, like you said, this is Ramona's story, mostly. Mm -hmm. Again, like, the, the presentation of those conclusions is very weird. It's, like, a little rushed, especially since we meet older, like, even older Scott and even older Ramona in just, like, the second half of this last episode. Mm -hmm. where it's like oh they're the ones that are actually carrying like the narrative weight here because they both mm -hmm. have taken their characters to the logical end it was also missing what i really thought they were gonna do which was like outright asking like hey scott and ramona knowing that you only really get 13 years together before you separate are you still gonna move forward with this relationship like is the happiness of those 13 years worth the breakup. And I thought that would have been like a very easy question for them to ask if this is like, you know, this is a pseudo sequel to both the movie and the books. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even then, like the books do end on this ambiguous note of like, you know, Scott and Ramona may not like be together forever, but for this moment they are together now and they have helped move each other forward emotionally. Yes, and that's such a wonderful conclusion for both of them. And it is a little it is a little ambiguous in the movie too of just like they're together now and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And this is like I feel like we don't I feel like the show isn't as interested in that question here. 
Yeah, it's very much a celebration. It is it is fan service, it is indulgent, and that comes at the cost of sort of the emotional core being very fuzzy and hard to understand. It also means a lot of the characterizations are very flanderized. Yes. Which is why, like, but as a companion, another slot in the Scott Pilgrim, like, oeuvre, mm-hmm. um, I find it very satisfying because now we have the original books. We have the movie, which isn't very much like the books. We have a video game, which isn't very much like either. And now we have an anime, which isn't like anything that came before it. Yeah. And, you know, if that's how Brian Lee O'Malley wants to continue telling this story, is just, like, adaptation to different sorts of material that goes in a new direction, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, that, I mean, that brings me to, like, ultimately, I think this... That's why I came to an 8 out of 10. It's like it really succeeded in what it did land. Mm-hmm. What landed really landed. There's just some things that got a little bit rocky from the midway point to the end. Mm-hmm. And I think um, if I can get meta mm-hmm. for a moment, a metatextual reading. Mm-hmm. So Brian Lee O'Malley says that he came up and like started working on Scott Pilgrim generally around like 1999-2000. Um, now if you re if you have the original paperback covers of Scott Pilgrim, he fills it with all these like little blurbs, like in the, um, like the, the little disclaimer, like the events are na- not based on real people, mm-hmm. the small print and at the back of the book where he like thanks people. Um, he always works in references and thanks to one Hope Larson, mm-hmm. who was his, girlfriend from 2000 to 2004 where until they got married so uh and then in 2013 13 years after they met Mm -hmm. they had they got divorced Mm -hmm. and i think because brian lee o'malley's work has always been just a like not autobiographical but he puts a lot of his he wears his emotions and intents on the sleeve of the work. Yes. You know? Yes, for sure. And Scott Pilgrim is very much a story about being in your mid-20s by a mid-20-year-old. Yeah. His follow-up work, Seconds, is very much about being, you know, going from your 30s to your 40s. Mm-hmm. And I think Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is sort of like being in your late 40s and looking back at, you know, the quote-unquote prime of your life and wondering if the good times were worth it i think that might actually be the strongest takeaway of the show Mm -hmm. so far is that i think that's the piece that i've been missing also is like in my attempts to separate the art from artists i'm Mm -hmm. not internalizing just how personal these stories do always end up being Mm-hmm. And there is a huge element of that here, I feel like, where there is so much, like, regret, but also, like, attempting to work through it going on here. And, you know, it is nice when it gets to, like, the very, very end and it's playing, like, God Only Knows. And, <laughs> they you know, they love actually the ending. Like, yeah, they do the love actually ending. Everyone is happy. Everyone's, like, Knives and Steven Stills are famous songwriters uh todd and roxy are hanging out getting back on like the training regimen yeah um 
you know, it is a very happy ending. And I love the fact it actually ends on the plum tree song, Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Um, I, I had a big grin once I heard the first notes of that. <laughs> uh, what it what it really reminds me of at the end of the day was another Netflix adaptation of a work that was very affecting of me, which was a series of unfortunate events. Mm, mm-hmm. And the finale of that series sort of taking a very ambiguous and almost abstract ending to the books and sort of dashing that away to assure the people that love that property, hey, it did work out in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, Occam's Razor says there was a happy ending. There was a happy ending. Right. And I view this very much a- of the same way. It's like, you know, let's let's put the characters in a nice place. Let's leave them somewhere nice. Um, rather than this ambiguous feeling of, is it all going to work out? Yeah, this feels, even though there is like that open ending a little bit here still, it feels so much more definitively happy Mm -hmm. than anything else that has come before it. And I think that is a real strength in like something that is so short, like a, you know, like a miniseries. It also reminds me of like rpgs that have multiple endings but has like the one true secret ending right that's like super meta yeah and brings in multiple elements like you have to beat all the previous endings to unlock it Mm -hmm. because this is sort of a synthesis of the book the movie and the game and a companion piece to all three And a follow-up to all three in a lot of ways. Because there are bits of the game in it. Like, the entire soundtrack is all pulled from the game. A lot of the settings are pulled from the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Ultimately, I am happy that we got this. I look forward to a physical release. If Netflix still does those. (laughs) I won't hold my breath, but it'd be cool. It would be cool. I think this was... It was a really good time. It was really cathartic, even, to, like, watch this having freshly begun my 30s where I'm like, these dang kids. (laughs) Yeah. I think cathartic is the word for the show. So, Fru, honest and true, any closing thoughts? You know what? No. I think think for once the show actually speaks for itself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I wish I did. I think the obvious next step is to do an actual Broadway musical... With the actor for Matthew Patel as the lead. Yes. And it will be a one-man show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's... If we just continue getting Scott Pilgrim mixed media stuff, I'm for that. I'm down with that. Scott Pilgrim, the radio play. Yeah. We can Doctor Who it up. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, period piece. Scott Pilgrim, the busking band. Scott Pilgrim, the themed restaurant. Do yeah, okay. Actually, no. One of my famous, and then one more last thing after the final thoughts. <laughs> Do you feel this is a a conclusion for Scott Pilgrim? Do you feel you need anything more, or would even be interested in anything more? My answer is not going to be satisfying for me because there was a sequel tease at the end of this series that I don't know if I'm supposed to take seriously. I don't want any more. I'm done. I think it's I think it's a goof. I think that's part of Julie and Gideon's happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Brian Lee O'Malley like went on like he did an interview that's been taken out of context in some spots where they asked him like is there going to be a season two and he was like we wrote it as a one season thing because we didn't think it was going to be picked up again Mm. but then he went on to say like it took 50 miracles for this like show to even get made right not counting on another 50 to get it made a second time for a season two he said he doesn't even have an idea of what a season two would be (laughs) so i think it may come down to if there's going to be a season two and all the miracles happen they're going to write a number on a check and coyly slide it across the table to him (laughs) otherwise i think brian has said what he needs to say for this decade of his life and i think he has also said what he needs to say I'm good. 